And when J-Lo held up that Puerto Rican flag, I knew. I was like, oh, America is about to be confused. You're listening to Social Misfit. What's going on, Misfits? It's Monday morning. Yes, it is still Monday morning. I'm recording this with minutes to spare until noon, but it started in the morning, so it's still my Monday morning podcast. Um, Don't hold me to that concept, but I'm trying. So we just um, had a very full kickoff to Black History Month. Black Twitter this morning is up in a tizzy because Meg the Stallion is seen kissing and canoodling with rapper g Easy. Yeah, um, I can't name one g Easy song because I'm pretty sure I've heard it and didn't know that it was g Easy. but he's a tall, lanky white rapper with slick back hair. And he previously dated Halsey, who herself is biracial. Her father is black. And she got her artist name Halsey from when she used to live here in Brooklyn, New York, and would take the J train to Halsey Street, where she got off and she lived like a a struggling artist, nomad with no money. So that is your um, black Twitter update of the morning. I myself am sitting on my living room floor, soaking up the sun because I'm trying to get my vitamin D because that's the only D I've been getting lately. Um, I digress. And I just really woke up this morning thinking like, yo, life is different. Like the world we are in is different. And it was further confirmed for me last night watching the Super Bowl. Now, listen, don't come for my neck asking me why I watched the Super Bowl because we're supposed to be supporting Kaepernick. You are absolutely right. However, and sadly, the Super Bowl has been a way for friends and family to convene and to enjoy each other's company. So I split my time yesterday. I had shows. So in between my shows, I Kicked it with my family, ate a bunch of food. Not really. I had like chips and cheese sauce. Like I like I like the scoop chips and then like the the queso sauce. Uh, side sidebar. My parents gave up their microwave for some godforsaken reason, and I had to heat up my cheese sauce in one of those little like souffle um pans. Not a pan, but it's like those little circle that you make souffles in. So I had to put the cheese sauce in that. It's not a ramekin. Is it a ramekin? I think it might be a ramekin. Uh, don't quote me. But those little like white, like white circular little like, you know, with like you put like make flong or like a mini cheesecake like that. Whatever that is. Clearly, I don't cook enough. Um, And so I had to put the cheese sauce in that. And then I put it in pan with water and I like boiled the water so it could heat up the cheese so it was too labor intensive but you realize something is that when something is that labor intensive you don't overindulge because it's like there's only but so much cheese sauce and once that cheese sauce is done I'm not going to wait another 10-15 minutes to heat up another batch of cheese sauce so I guess in a way my parents not having a microwave saved my arteries if you will so Flip side to that, my dad did order a three foot hero, like a three foot 
hero, one half roast beef, one half turkey. And it was five people there. If that, you see my mother, my father, myself, my brother, and my brother's friend. Yeah. Five people there eating off a three foot sandwich. I only had one piece, the turkey side, of course. And then I had to go do my show. So I said bye to them and it was still in the second quarter. This is before the halftime show. And then by the time I got to my spot at the cellar, the halftime show was on a sidebar. I know there's a lot of sidebars, but sidebar, I would like to formally acknowledge that Jennifer Lopez has contributed a solid body of work to the music industry. Yeah, I'm saying it. She had hits. She has hits. She can dance her ass off at 50 years old. She looks great on the pole. And I think a lot of times when we think about like true artists or singers, we don't think of Jennifer Lopez, which is very valid. But I think as far as like entertaining, she's a good entertaining. Now think about it this way. Out of the women who are in her stratosphere of fame, okay, and who sing, there aren't that many who can entertain the way she did on that stage. And she's 50. So I would say, of course, Beyonce, when it comes to like choreography and then singing live, of course. And then you have Mariah Carey. She cannot dance with a damn, but she can sing on her good days. And Whitney Houston was never really a dancer. Aretha Franklin never did a two-step. I know I'm saying like really heavy hitters as far as like vocalists, but like I'm just saying that if you, okay, put it like this. If, if it was a quiz, right, and you just rounded it up, you know, to the nearest grade, I would, I would round JLo up into the conversation of being a good entertainer. See? Yeah. Cause like JLo dances harder than Rihanna. And I think vocally they may be about the same for me. I think they're about the same for me, but Rihanna ain't hitting no two count four step. No, not like Miss JLo. Not like Miss Mrs. J. Well, she's not married yet, but not like Miss J. Lo. Miss J. Lo was up there hitting the twos and the threes and the sixes. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't dance like that, but I know they count a lot. There's two, four, six, five, six, seven, eight. Why is it always five, six, seven, eight? Why can't it be one, two, three, four, five, and a, and a two, five, seven? I don't know. Anyway, they count a lot. But anyway, she was hitting all them counts. So I didn't really see Shakira because I got there like right when she was finishing, but I'm sure she killed it. And they both look good for older women. I mean, yes, they're older than me. So they're older women. I think Shakira is like 43 and JLo's 50. So they did it. And they had all Latina women on the uh, field with them. They had all of those young dancers. And let me tell you something. I was in the middle of the comedy club when well, I in the middle club, I was in the bar, which had the TV show TV on. And I was watching it. I was watching up to the point where JLo's daughter came out and she was singing and she can sing. And I knew I was PMSing because whenever I see like little kids doing stuff, performing, creative, creatively singing, dancing, I always get like teary. I get like, oh. I guess that's my body's way of being like, bitch, hurry up and have a kid. You could be out here videotaping your kid and going wild in the stands being like, that's my baby. 
But I just, you know, dab that little tear, I suck it back up into my eyelid and then go about my single adulthood life. But I knew as I was watching the screen and her daughter was singing, I was like, oh, my period is coming. Not to mention earlier in the day, I watched this video of a, there's an account on Instagram I follow called They Have the Range. And they highlighted this old clip of this boy singing lead for the Mississippi Children's Mass Choir. And if you don't know about gospel choirs, the Mississippi Mass Choir was a powerhouse. It had at least like two, three hundred people in the choir. And then it had a children's version and these kids can sang, sang. And he was singing a song and I think it was um, his eyes on a sparrow. I think it was his eyes on a sparrow. And he was singing his little young boy alto soprano range and I'm just sitting there on the edge of my bed just tears like not like a cry cry but just like you know how you outside and it's really cold and your eyes start tearing that's what it was it wasn't like any emotion behind it it was just like oh my eyes are leaking and I was like my period is coming that's the only time I get a tear in my eyes like when my period is coming anyway so J-Lo and her daughter did the damn thing Shakira looked great they ended it like Latin warrior princesses with the metallic shredded ensembles. And when JLo held up that Puerto Rican flag, I knew I was like, oh, America is about to be confused. They're going to be like, what flag is she holding up? I thought she was, what is this? And I'm like, this is so crazy to show you how dumb people are. They don't know that that is the Puerto Rican flag. And Puerto Rico is a part of America, even though it cannot vote and doesn't have an elected body. Like, it's crazy that they don't have any representation in the in the in Capitol Hill and they're doing with so much shit. But I mean, that just goes to show you how inherently racist American politics is. I digress. And so I was really happy for them. They had that moment. It was in Miami and they look great. And I know. Oh, wait, and then somebody on Twitter, I don't know who said that it was the best halftime show ever. And I and then, you know, black Twitter was like, skirt, let me pull up some footage for you, sir, of Mr. Prince Rogers Nelson. Yes. Or Nelson Rogers. Well, Prince. I mean, now I know why he only goes by one name, because I mean, who wants to say all that other shit? Prince killing it in the rain honey by himself it started raining he said no 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 just give me a little bandana he tied the back of his hair down the top curls was still in formation and he played that guitar on that massive stage by himself that is talent actually remember watching that super bowl halftime and my grandfather was here he he had come up to visit from South Carolina we were at my aunt's house and we decided to have like a little impromptu Super Bowl party see what I mean about Super Bowl serving as a way to uh, engage with friends and family who you may not see regularly and I just remember that moment and we were all like glued to the TV and my grandfather by that time was I don't know in his he was definitely in his 80s and save sanctify filled with the holy ghost he you know go to church you know two three times a week and he you know spent his free time fixing shit around the house very handsy and he never really indulged like growing up I never really knew him to like listen to secular music you know maybe some 
old soul or blues, but you know, my, it's really weird. My grandparents didn't really have music in the house. My grandmother had a radio which she would play her cassette tapes of like bought religious sermons. So like if a preacher was coming into town and he was like, you know, like how a comic would sell their, their albums or their tapes or CDs after a show, like the visiting pastor were like, oh, and since I'm here, I got my cassette of my sermon about Adam. And she was like, I need it. So she would listen to those things, but we never really had just music in the house. You know, my grandparents' house was not about music. And so he really had no point of reference about like who Prince was. He kind of knew, but he didn't really know. Like, you know, he easily would confuse him with like Michael Jackson. Like that's like, you know, when they first blew up, like he was like, oh, them two black boys, that's it. But he was sitting there watching Prince and I remember sitting like a little behind him, watching him to see like him, like taking what we were seeing and he seemed impressed, but he wasn't like, oh my God, that's amazing. Cause he just didn't know Prince's music, but it was just really fun to like have that moment of like my grand, like me trying to, you know, you know how you try to get the old people in your life like, hyped up, like, yo, you, you getting hyped like this dope, right? Grandpa. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for him. That was it. But so I don't know if J-Lo, I mean, I do know J-Lo and Shakira did not have the best halftime show of all times, but I also do realize and I want to acknowledge that people's choice for best halftime show is truly connected to their race, ethnicity, and musical preference. That's it. Because someone can say that Maroon 5 had the best halftime show, and we know that's a lie. You know, somebody could say that Bruno Mars had the best halftime show, which was a really good halftime show. But I do believe that it's more about being able to see the people who you relate to, who look like you, who come from where you come from, who have the same belief system or whatever, exceed, um, exceed, I mean, excel on that national, actually international stage. I think that is what makes you so hype about their performance. And so, of course, people of, um, Latin ancestry or Hispanic ancestry, or I don't know, what do we say? How do we, what are we saying in 2020? But those people um, who identify as Latinx may say that that was the best halftime show ever. And you know what? We need to respectfully acknowledge their opinion. And I'm not going to debate, but I'm going to say from my black American experience, my top Super Bowl performances would definitely be in no ranking order. Prince, I would say Beyonce, the one she did by herself, and Michael Jackson. Those would be my top three. If I had to, if I had to like pick, I mean, I I just picked. Um, another thing about the Super Bowl, and this is the downside. So yes, there is the camaraderie in the community and the sense of fellowship that you have when you're sitting there eating bad food and talking shit. But then when you actually watch the game, it was just the, it was the summation of all the problems that we have in this country from the super insensitive and racially biased, politically motivated ads that ran. I mean, like 
even in the first quarter, they ran that daggone like it justice reform. And he and you know who he was trying to take credit for getting that woman out of prison. It's just like, bro, like who like. And I know that his followers, because it's a cult, his followers are going to think that he actually did something. And so we are really in the throes of an era of misinformation, like targeted misinformation, you know, and then all the, you know, the, the commercial with the black guy hugging the cops. It's just like, who are you trying to appease to? And then you realize that the NFL with the assist of Jay-Z is trying to do all of this like marketing and, and programming to convince us that they're not racist and that they're in support of the same thing that Colin Kaepernick was in support of, but yet they never uttered the words police brutality. And it was more so to appease white people to show them that we're not threatening. And it's just like, what the hell is that about? That's not what the message is. Like it's to the point now where people have lost sight over the original issue. And the original issue has been the same for decades. We people of color in this country need to be treated as equals and given the same respect, courtesy, and freedom as the white people who run everything. That's it. That's it. That's the basic thing. It's like when you see those old civil rights photos and it's people marching and the sign says, I am a man. Like that's really what it is. It's like, I am a human being. Treat me as such. That's it. It's such a basic want and need. All that other shit is frivolous. It is a marketing spin. It is people trying to muck up the message. It's what at the end of the day is like we are human beings and we need to have access to the same things that you have access to. We should be treated the same way you treat yourselves. We should be considered and we should have control over our rights. We should have a say in our role. We should have influence over the things that affect us economically. We should be able to determine what things are provided when it comes to education it's just like see me I am a person as well that's really what it is that's the basic wants and needs and that's the same thing same premise for every issue of conflict ever when you look at Israel and Palestine it's like the Palestinians are like we are human beings stop treating us like fucking rabid animals who need to be locked up caged and have our papers checked every time we want to move around freely that's it it's not even about the religion. It's just like, because of your religion, you don't want to acknowledge me as a human being, but I'm telling you that I'm a human being, even though we don't have the same religion. That's the basic understanding of humanity. If you want there to be a cohesive utopian world, then you have to respect everybody. Even if you don't agree with their personal beliefs, you just have to see them for being a human being. That's it. That's it. And then watching that game, and they, when the Chiefs were winning towards the end, they kept cutting to the owner's box. And you just see on the field, you know, the just the juxtaposition on the field, all of these black men and some white men, but the majority black men, you know, putting their body on the line and fighting like gladiator warriors. And then the camera pans up hundreds of feet to the top of the stadium where you have like the owner's box and you see the owners and they're all these white people, perfectly coiffed, hair 
you know, the women's hair doesn't move when they jump up and down. It's a stiff, you know, a stiff, full body curl. Um, the men with their suits and their blazers and their ties and, you know, their placards saying owner or luxury boxes. It's like, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that. That disparity is the thing that we're talking about. You have the people who put their lives on the line, the people who sacrifice their bodies, the people who are sacrificing their brains because of CTE, you know, the people who are out there every day sweating, grinding in rain and, and snow and high heat. They are out there generating the money, drawing in the audience, and then you pan up to a handful of people who are profiting off of it. And that, to me, was so symbolic of the problems that we have in this country, especially especially during Black History Month, especially during a political campaign, which is already showing that it's not going to be fair and balanced. And it's just like the symbolism was not lost on me. And then also throw in the fact that it was Kansas City Chiefs and the whole indigenous issue of making indigenous people mascots when you know you've basically tried to erase them from american history as it stands and quarantine them to reservations but you know here you are you got white men in the stands with full indian indian cosplay on Whew. so it was just very heavy it was very heavy so yes i engaged more so with the people that i was around than actually watching the game because it just was a lot to take in and i realized it just doesn't make any sense and then after the Super Bowl, we was like, well, let's watch Mass Singer. Now, one, <laughs> I don't even understand how a new season of Max of the Masked Singer is out because the shit just ended like two weeks ago. They just crowned Wayne Brady the winner of season two legit like three weeks ago. It felt like three weeks ago. I mean, I know it wasn't literally three weeks ago, but it was just right around the corner. Like what happened to there being a downtime during seasons of shows? But then someone's like, no, they're trying to milk this. They're trying to milk it till people like don't want to do it anymore. Like, you know, singers don't want to do it anymore. Like it's a hot show. So they're just like going to ride it to the wheels fall off. And I get that, but I'm like, damn, can we take a break? But then I also realized that people just want mindless entertainment because the world is shit and who wants to watch impeachment hearings all day long. So here we have another season of the mass singer. And I was definitely trying to figure out all the black people. Cause I, I mean, I don't know why we going to act like we can't tell who a black person is by their voice, but Shaka Khan is definitely on that stage. I believe Chrisette Michelle is on that stage. And we was confirmed that Lil Wayne was on that stage. So that was hilarious. And then I realized that the voting is internal. Like it's not even a democracy. Like people don't call in a vote within, you know, but it's really no voting. It's just like they decide amongst the producers and maybe some of the, the judges have a say and who gets sent home. And so on the first episode, they sent home Little Wayne. I'm sure it wasn't live. It was pre-taped. And then everybody was like, oh, they sent home Little Wayne. And I was like, yeah, they sent home Little Wayne because he probably agreed to do it for one episode because he just released an album. So now this is just marketing. Like there was no vote. There was no tally. He did it on the guys that he was like, I'm going to do it for one episode to benefit myself. And I think like that is also symbolic of just like what's going on with our political camp campaign. And it's like, you think you have a say, but you don't really have a say. It's already predetermined who was going to be like, even when it came to Obama, it was like, 
it was predetermined. I think it was predetermined that they were like, listen, we need a black guy and let's pick this junior uh, politician to give a speech at the DNC. Everybody was like, oh my God, who's this guy? And they'd be like, yo, we might be able to, because it's like you realize now, like even with Trump, and I hate to say his name, is that the GOP was like, oh, he's the best He's the best option for us to win because people are supporting him. So yeah, let's just prop him up and we'll just do all the stuff that we want to do in the shadows anyway. They didn't account that he was going to be so damn rogue and so stupid and just like shooting himself in the foot every chance he got. So now they got to deal with a bigger problem, which is why none of them voted for witnesses during the impeachment because they don't want any of the like the sinister backdoor dealings that they that they partake in to come to light because they don't care if he's burning it down because they're still personally profiting from it so if you realize that the system is flawed and whoever is you know in control can do whatever they want it doesn't really matter who the president is and I don't I'm not saying it like that um, like don't vote. I'm definitely saying vote, but I'm saying that the idea that the president is up until recently when, you know, all shit hit the fan and basically they allow the president to run as a dictator. Cause that's basically what's happening. Um, up until the demise of our modern day democracy, the president definitely was powerful, but as we've seen, especially in like historical political documentaries is like the people who are in the Senate and the house have a lot more say and a lot more power on the day-to-day laws that are implemented in this country. So that is why it is important to vote. It's important to flip um, the house, not the house. I'm sorry, the Senate. Is it the Senate? Damn. I sound crazy right now. Um, But it's definitely important that Dems have control of both branches because they can, I pray, reverse a lot of the nonsense that has been undone. (sighs) It's exhausting. But I do want everybody to vote. Don't think that your vote doesn't count. It does count. It doesn't necessarily count on like the big 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 thing but it if you just chip away it's just like your vote is like that little drop of rain that keeps hitting the brick wall and over time it just erodes and it's able to have an impact so vote 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 um unlike how they did on the mass singer and tried to um play our feelings like little wayne actually lost and he's saying lenny kravitz uh I think he's saying fly away. I think I'm not remembering stuff this morning. This is what happens when I do this is the first thing. Y'all going to get some inconsistencies. But um, I just want to double check this one thing. I'm not going to edit it. But I just want to check this one little thing. (sighs) Okay. Yes, it's the Senate. So um, I'm saying that the, the right now the Dems run the House and the Senate is controlled by the Republicans. And so we need to flip the Senate so that we can. Ugh. And also, I just think that a lot of the things that we aspire to have for personal happiness, a lot of the things we should still do those things. I don't think that we should look at the outside world and be like, oh, because of this, I can't do this. Or 
because of this, I don't want to bubble. It's like, if you want to start a business, still start your business. You know, I mean, granted, have like all your financials together in your, you know, business plan and all that, like your marketing, like, but don't let what's happening in the world prevent you from doing the things that you want to do for your own personal happiness. Because there's always going to be a time of conflict. There's always going to be a time of, you know, political conspiracy. There's always going to be a time of threat or actual um, recession or depression. Like, don't stop living your life because the outside world is fucked up. And sometimes you have to take those moments to find your happiness and find your joy, despite of the doom and gloom that's out there. And I am no longer afraid of what is going to happen come November. I remember when the last election happened, I was in a for real depression. I was like, woe was me, you know, burn everything down. And I just had to be able to find some joy. It's like, you know, I sat down and wrote my book and I think that definitely helped like give me a healthy distraction. You know, I'm still out there performing and, you know, recording album, like all those little things I did for myself, because if I didn't have anything to occupy my time or to make me happy, I would go crazy. And so I'm not worried. I'm not afraid. I do believe that all of this had to happen or has to happen in order for there to be change. And also, not to sound too morbid, but I'm, I hope you guys know that in order for there to be an effective sweeping change in this society, it is going to get ugly. Like it isn't ugly now. Like right now, this is just like the preamble. Like this, like right now what's happening is like, you know, and, and the Super Bowl, like the hours that lead up to the Super Bowl, is just a bunch of people talking and debating what they think is going to happen, their theories and their arguments. And they, you know, one person's going super hard for the Raiders. Well, I mean, not the Raiders, the 49ers. One person going super hard for the 49ers. One per, you know, the other half of the panel is going super hard for the Chiefs. And they arguing and debating about why their team is going to win. Like, that's what we're dealing with right now. Like, that's what we're dealing with right now. It's like a bunch of people theorize, theorizing about, who they think is going to win and why this person should win and blah, 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 blah. But we haven't reached the big game yet. Okay. We haven't reached the real battle. And when we get to the battle battle, it's going to be a bunch of losers and it's going to be a bunch of winners and the losers going to lose. They're going to lose everything. And that is the only way that there's going to be an effective change in this country. People are going to be fed up. They're going to be pushed to their limits. You know, they're going to take to the streets. They're going to, you know, make some real disruptions. And that's when you're going to get the change. That's when you get the change. So bad things, bad people can only last for so long. And hopefully you can see a positive change in your lifetime. But also realize that there are people who won't see a positive change in their lifetime. But we need to acknowledge and be grateful for those people who who persevered who gave up a good fight who lost their lives who lost their families who lost their livelihood their their jobs their money we have to be thankful that those people stood firmly or tried to stand up against tyranny or crime or hate or racism or genocide and those people paved the way for the next generation to stand up and prevail and win. And so bad doesn't last forever. Bad does not last forever. 
It may last a very long time. It may break your spirit, but you also have to think there has to be something better on the other side. And so I'm no longer afraid of what's going to happen. Whatever's going to happen is supposed to happen. I will do my part and I will hold myself up. I'll hold my family up. I'll hold my friends up. And I'm just going to do the little things to find my joy and be happy so that I know whenever my time is up on this planet that I've done all that I could do, all that I wanted to do. And so with that, I hope that you too find the courage and the strength to smile and find joy despite how fucked up the world is. Because the truth is, the world has always been fucked up. People have always been fucked up. This is nothing new. We're just seeing it now in a different way because of television and social media and videos. And, you know, we're just people are showing their asses, but they always show their asses. So this is our fight. Make sure you're prepared. Whichever side you're on, do it. Go hard. You know, go big or go home. I hate to hate. I hate to end it with a cliche, but, you know, that kind of wraps up the whole theme of like the Super Bowl and the symbolism. It's like, yeah, go big or go home. It's like if you're not going to live life to the fullest, then go home. And so that is my reflection for this Monday morning. And I hope that you too reflect and find your path and find your happiness and be the warrior in whatever capacity that means. All right. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for supporting me. Thank you so much for buying copies of my book, Fuck Your Diet. Um, If you want to see me live, I'll be at the Las Vegas Comedy Cellar located at the Rio Casino and Hotel starting next Monday, February 10th through Sunday, February 16th. So come by, say hello, check out a show. There's two shows a night, 7 and 9 p.m. And I wish you all love and success and happy Black History Month.